overweight when you lie between 25 and 30. So usually you're around 20 to 30 pounds above your ideal body weight. Gotcha. But then when you reach the body mass index of 30 and above, then when this is when you're considered obese. And in America, the CDC came out with the latest statistics. 42% of the population is above 30. The sleeve gastrectomy, the chances of dying from that is 0.1%. The, the band, which I know we don't do anymore, is 0.05%. So you are talking about very safe procedures. It is time for another edition of Valley Health Check, a great resource for you and your family at MyMixFM.com. And it's with our friends from Horizon Health, where you can always check up on them and what they have going on at MyHorizonHealth.org. Now, I encourage you to do a little quick commercial here. If you go to MyMixFM.com, click on Valley Health Check, you can scroll through numerous topics. But the one thing's in common to help you learn and uh, get some things out of this. And that's exactly what we're doing today yet again. So please welcome Aaron Frank with our intro and our guest today. How are Good you doing, Good morning, Aaron? Kevin. I'm well. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I'm very pleased to bring to the studio Dr. Hatcham. He is a general surgeon for our organization, relatively new to us, but we're very excited to have him. So he offers a full scope of general surgeries, including hernia repair, colonoscopies, colon surgery, gallbladder, appendix removal, all kinds of things. Wow. I had no idea exactly all that you did. I have had an emergency colon surgery. I've had four hernia surgeries. <laughs> I'm like your lab rat today, doctor. I... Well, we're not here to talk about hernias today. Okay. And if you want to have us back, I mean, if you want to talk a full a full podcast about hernias, you let us know. Uh, you know what? I could really talk to you about it. I've gone through <laughs> upper, lower. <laughs> when the student becomes the teacher. That's right. Exactly. Well, what are we going to talk about with the doctor today? Today, we're going to talk about um, specifically bariatric surgery. Doctor has uh, many, many years of experience in bariatric surgery, many different kinds. So today we, we are going to learn all about that. Well, how long? First off, Doc, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for joining us for the podcast. Thank you for having me. Um, and now, how long again have you been doing this? I've been doing this since uh, 2006. Wow. So you've been doing this a minute. That's yeah. great. Now, we talk about bariatric surgery and bariatrics. Mm -hmm. Uh, for those who, oh, I, I recognize that. What is that and what type of surgery is that? So bariatric surgery are, are procedures that uh, allow the individual to lose weight. So it's like people have been struggling with weight most of the most, uh, all their lives. And uh, we can talk about uh, how much excess weight if someone carries, uh, the kind of comorbidities that comes with it, the shortened lifespan. So bariatric surgery essentially offers, uh, works using two mechanisms. It's we either do a restrictive bariatric surgery, meaning we do something to the gastrointestinal tract that will restrict the individual from eating more food, meaning eating less, okay. or we do a uh, a malabsorptive procedure, meaning we trick the body in a sense that he will not digest the food that he's eating. So it's either restriction or malabsorption or a combination of both. And uh, so far, we have few procedures that have survived the test of time, and they're kind of listed on the ASMBS, like the sleeve gastrectomy, which is the most common one performed, around 59% of all the weight loss procedure, uh, which entails the removal of the stomach, around 80% of the stomach is removed, and the individual will be left with a stomach roughly the size of a banana. So it's 20%. Wow. 
mm-hmm. the size of the old stomach. So you're going to be restricted in the amount of food that you're eating. The next uh, in line comes the gastric bypass, which has been done since the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And it has it's the kind of considered the gold standard. Roughly, it's around 15% of all the procedure. The gastric bypass combines both the restriction and the malabsorption part. Huh. Hey, I didn't know that. I didn't know Meaning that either. The yeah. stomach will be stapled. You'll end up with a stomach roughly the size of a hard-boiled egg. So oh, wow. 5% the size of the old stomach. And then the malabsorptive p- component is performed whereby you connect that little hard-boiled egg-sized stomach to the small bowel and you bypass the upper gastrointestinal tract from the like basically you bypass the proximal small bowel, the duodenum, the liver. So the food will not have contact with the enzymes. That's really interesting. It's almost like you remap things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for I the think, benefit. Of I think you are remapping things. Yeah. I so think you are remapping things. By virtue of bypassing the duodenum itself, especially people who are diabetics, what we call it the duodenal exclusion principle, people will experience immediate effect on their Blood, uh, blood sugars, they normalize. They'll be still in the hospital. You measure their blood sugars. They don't require insulin. I mean, it's just the most amazing thing I've witnessed all through my life. So that's the gastric bypass. The way I'm presenting this is that the sleeve can give you a certain amount of excess weight. So okay. there is this jargon that I want to explain to the listeners, what we call excess weight. So okay. what is that? Okay. So let's say, for example, we have a six-foot gentleman. His ideal body weight should be around 180, 175 pounds. He's currently weighs 300 pounds, so he has 125 pounds Ooh. excess weight. That's another human. Joints. It really is. Another human, yeah. So excess weight on his joints, so the body has to work more to, to supply energy to this excess weight. The heart will work more, the liver will work more, the yeah. pancreas will work more, so the whole system will. So that's what we call the excess weight. So with the gastric sleeve, because we, as we mentioned, it is going to give you mainly restriction. Mm-hmm. So you lose around 50 Five to sixty percent of that excess weight. With the gastric bypass, you can go up to seventy-five percent. Wow! Because we added a malabsorption component, meaning the food is not digested. Fortunately, in America, we have people who are one hundred and fifty or two hundred pounds. Then you have to go more radical. What we call the switch procedures, which basically, in a nutshell, provide more malabsorption. So we have two kinds of duodenal switch, what we call the single anastomosis duodenal switch or the biliopancreatic diversion duodenal switch. In a nutshell, the difference is really simple to understand. The single anastomosis is basically a sleep gastrectomy, but we connect it to around three meters away from the uh, where the small bowel and the colon joins. Hmm. Three meters. So in the human body, we have around six to eight meters of small intestine. Okay. So That always blows my mind. That's wild, really, Mm -hmm. to think about. And actually, you need only 75 to 100 centimeters to function. Wow. So Talk about excess baggage. We always, always, the way we're created, we always have excess extra to to handle. When the Spanish started doing this procedure, initially they started with 200 centimeters, and they noticed a lot of people, because of the malabsorption, they have a lot of protein malnutrition. So in America, when we, start, when we started doing these procedures, we settled on the 300 centimeters. So it's a good balance. People not, will not be malnourished, but will get a good excess weight. So with this procedure, you connect that. After you do the steep gastrectomy, you connect it to that three meters away from the, uh, where the small bowel and the intestine joints. Okay? So that will give you 
So you are essentially, if we say, we're using three meters out of the six to eight meters of intestine we have. So you're using less, so you're bypassing all the small bowel, you're not absorbing more nutrients. With the switch, you go more radical. It's like 150 instead of 300. So it's just more malabsorptive. The more malabsorptive, the more weight loss you're going to achieve. Like with the single anastomosis, you can go up to 80%. With the duodenal switch, you can go up to 90% of excess weight. Something I've noticed that I remember when you first heard about these surgeries. Yeah. And I think about a friend of mine, Justin. I don't know why he just popped into my head as we're talking about this. I worked with in radio in Champaign years ago, but I remember he had one of the surgeries that you were talking about. And I remember it was right when it... You first started hearing mm-hmm. about it. And with anything new, there's so many questions. Yeah. But I remember how it changed his life. He was very overweight, had many issues due to the excess weight. And uh, I remember the after effects. It changed his whole life. He was healthier. The issues that he had in the past were gone. But I always put his face onto this conversation. And this was years ago. So I can only imagine the different things as you're breaking down, the enhancements as years go by uh, with these surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're the most well-studied surgeries in the world because they've been we had a lot of them and done done in the 1960s but everything got standardized lately and we settled on these four or five operations that I mentioned uh, one one thing I didn't mention was the lap band whereby you yeah. put a silicone ring top of the stomach for some reason this procedure did not wa- work well in North America and a lot of the revisional operations which is accounts to around 15% of the weight loss I remember hearing about that specific surgery are done to revise those so okay. If you had a lab band, every year you have a 7% chance of getting that lab band explanted. So over a 10-year period, 70% of the individuals who had their lab band, it's going to be out of their body. The main reason why? It did not work. They still do it in Down Under in Australia. The (laughs) the South American abandoned it. The Europeans have abandoned it. And we kind of like... In between 2010 and 2012, that's all I did. But then now it's just... You saw a decline, uh, definitely. A dramatic decline. Wow. So Plus, they need maintenance because you have to put saline in it to inflate that balloon to achieve restriction. Wow, and so that, it's a lot of maintenance for a the A lot of maintenance, band. yep. And some people do not like the needle is around four inches that, that goes into a reservoir that's oh. usually located under the Ooh. skin. Some yeah. people get nervous about that. Yeah, so uh, that. just for the sake of completion, I'm mentioning it because it's still listed as one of the procedures sure. on the American Society of Metabolic Surgery website. Well, I think it's all about learning. That's what I love about these podcasts because I recognize the things you're talking talking about, but you're breaking it down in a way to where, oh, interesting. And that's... There is at least, I would say, 300 to 400,000 Americans living around with bands that that needs to be taken care of. Wow. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. So in that band procedure then, just to kind of wrap it up, that that device that was implanted is the only element of that procedure. There was it, there no- is a device, but there is a subcutaneous, what we call a subcutaneous port, kind of like chemo port. Uh-huh. Okay. It's, it's located in the, uh, under the skin and okay. the belly. So when the patient comes to see you in the office, they tell you, okay, I'm eating a lot. I'm not having any kind of weight loss. I'm not restricted. Then you access it. You give a little numbing medication. You access it. You give and a you saline it. solution and you see how, you know, you tailor it so that uh-huh. you don't overdo it. But again, you just, if there's not much enough fluid in the band, mm-hmm. that okay. what we call the sweet spot, the patient will not experience. So okay. on the average, for the first year, they need at least three to four adjustments to get to that sweet spot. Wow. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. That's very, very well put. I, that band that band procedure didn't also have a sleeve component to it. It didn't no. also. It was only that device. Only only a device. You gotcha. put that silicone okay. ring, kind of like yep. a wristwatch around the upper part yeah. of the stomach, so that when, when when the individual eats, they'll experience early fullness and stop eating. All these surgeries that we're talking about, yeah. which I appreciate how you laid them out, because it was very interesting to me to see the differences and and and, and the history uh, of these types of surgeries is. There a certain age that's beneficial for this? Is there an age that you might be too old for any of these surgeries? Does that come into play? Well, so far, and we just we are excited that almost uh, a month ago, around October twenty uh, first, we have the who qualifies for the surgery got revisited. So okay. in nineteen ninety one, the National Institute of Health came up with the criteria that who qualifies for these surgeries. So basically, interesting. It's pe- people who has a body mass index above 40. So what's a body mass index? Just so the listeners understand, it's usually, it's a calculation. It's a formula that takes account of your height with your weight. So it's your height in meters squares over your weight in kilograms. And you get a number. So if you lay less than 25, between 20 and 25, you're in a normal range. 25 to 30, you are considered overweight. So the importance of this so that people can understand because people conflate Obesity with overweight. Mm-hmm. With, yes. Sure. That's not, overweight when you lie between 25 and 30. So usually you're around 20 to 30 pounds above your ideal body weight. Gotcha. But then when you reach the body mass index of 30 and above, then when this is when you're considered obese. And in America, the CDC came out with the latest statistics. 42% of the population is above 30. Yeah. Mm, man. And, that, you know, I wish I could say that surprises me, but it doesn't. So again... The criteria that was laid almost 30-something years ago that has never been revisited since 1991 was that people who have a body mass index above 40, regardless if you have any medical problems, you qualify for the surgery. Okay. If you fall between 35 and 40, you have to have medical, what we call medical comorbidities, speci- specifically diabetes, high blood pressure, elevated lipids, and what have. But because of the success of these operations, just out of the press, in October 21st, 2022, two major societies revisited this. The American Society for Metabolic and Bariatric Surgery, which is mostly an American, and then you have what we call the IFSO, International Federation of Society for Obesity and Related Diseases. And that's an international society that represents more than 70 societies worldwide. So they changed them. So now 35 and above, regardless of if you have medical problems, you qualify. And if between 30 and 35 with medical problems. So we shifted them. Okay. A small interjection here is that they also, we have a lot of Asian American population here. So Mm -hmm. their BMI goes down to 27.5. For for them, 27.5 for an Asian American is considered obese. That's interesting, but it's good that it's varied for... That's that's exactly the comment I was going to make as far as this being so fascinating that we have some international data to look at as well as American data. Because we know culturally there are a lot of things that we don't do as well as other countries. The Europeans, for example, their their diets, the Mediterranean area, their diets, you know, those are all things that we benchmark when we try to lose weight in America. So it is very interesting to me that we that we have standards set both as a country and as a, a, a globe. Yes. And to answer the question about the age, they visited that. 
Okay. There was because we have a lot of childhood obesity here mm-hmm. and adolescents, so they were they did not recommend any intervention in this between for children and adolescents up to eighteen, because okay. they're going through a lot of hormonals. They might yeah. not be mature enough to mm-hmm. work with the surgery. You don't want to you don't want to get rid of a piece of the gastrointestinal system for someone who's so they do not recommend that. The upper age for me, the Medicare usually stops around sixty five, but I can tell you I've have done surgeries on. People in their 70s. Some people in their 70s, they look like they're 50s, and some yeah. people in right. their 50s, they look they're like 80. Yeah. Yes. So yes. You, it's it's yeah. it's the functional aspect, the physiology. I go by what we call a physiologic age, gotcha. not the chronological age. So if like someone tells you, oh, I just go up 10 steps up the stairs, he's 65 and no problem. And right. It's different from someone who's 50 who can barely walk 10 feet and he gets winded. Right. So it's an individual thing. But uh, to Based answer your question, so. 18 to 65. Above that, to be uh, dealt with at an individual level. Now, one thing that, you know, I can think of, someone that's listening, is this surgery safe? Is this a safe recommendation? You know, there's people, it is it is surgery. That's, so when you say mm-hmm. surgery, that's, you know, it's surgery. It's a very important question. These pr- procedures have been standardized in a way that there have been perf- 250,000 of those are performed a year. Wow. Their mortality rate is less than a gallbladder. It, but I interject him with the right hands. So you have to know who's, you, who's yes. your surgeon. So that's why we have what we call centers of excellence. And we are in the process of getting this. That You have to have site visits, make sure you're having mm-hmm. such amount of cases. Mm-hmm. And why I'm mentioning this, because I did general surgery, which is five years. You go through different disciplines, whether it's abdominal surgeries, thoracic surgeries. Then you pick a certain niche that you want to do. Mm-hmm. I elected to spend a, an extra year of my life doing weight loss surgery. I spent a year in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's all we did. Weight loss surgery, gastric wow. bypasses, you name them. So with the right hands, these operations are super safe. Like the mortality rate, mortality rate from a gastric bypass is 0.17%. So that's, that's amazing. But, but I can hear by listening to you saying all the work you've done on this, I would choose you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Know, I have done. Do you got the point. That's why I'm, it's important to, like, with the, within the right hands, these operations are super safe. Within the right program, they are very safe operations. They are safer and the, as from a gallbladder, which is the most common general surgical yes. procedure. So the sleeve gastrectomy, the chances of dying from that is 0.1%. The, the band, which I know we don't do anymore, is 0.05%. So you are talking about very safe procedure, again, with the right hands. I like how you put that. That's that a very good way to put that. All right, now, you're answering all my questions, which is awesome. Uh, what is a timeline process? Let's say you've got through the process, you're ready, they're talking to you. It's uh, What's a timeline before so, the surgery and after? What's thank you for the question. We offer a free visit. So you can come and talk to us. And usually we sit down in the office, we show you the different operations that I perform, risks, benefits, alternatives, how much excess weight you can expect. Again, when I see a patient, I tell I tell them the first question, how much excess weight you would like. So if you're 300 pounds and you want to be 150, a certain operations that might work, 
Yeah. Like Steve might get you to 220, it's not going to get you to 150 or 160. So you need to go more mile absorption. So we sit down and we talk about the process. We have to check with their insurance if the insurance covers it. And most of the insurances nowadays, they require you to, to have a supervised diet. It could be three months, it could be six months, it could be more. Gotcha. So now this, I've noticed this over the years that that's been the way. Okay. When I was in Kansas and I did a lot of TRICARE, military, that mm-hmm. that criteria was not that stringent. I would see patients and sometimes two weeks later they're getting their surgery. Wow. Okay. So it's mainly insurance driven. Gotcha. And we have a, an insurance specialist in our facility that only deal with this kind of the codes, the stuff. So we have one person dedicated awesome. for this so that they will work with the insurance and they will tell you, you know, you need three months. You need six months. That's what usually the rate limiting factors in getting these operations. I did have a question about that. When you were when you were saying that the, the BMI benchmarks have changed so recently in October, so insurance probably hasn't caught up with that yet? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I just wanted to make sure we were providing a little bit of clarity around that. Just, uh, just because a medical society or a physician says one thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that your payer is going to be on but board. This, this was a big thing because this was the first time that this thing has been revi- revisited since yes. 1991. That's awesome. And you have two big international. And on top of that, we have a medical society called the American Diabetes Society, which in 2016 mentioned that people who are between BMI of 30 to 35, okay, mm-hmm. the one that does not fall within the not category yet, by, 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 yep. by the National Institute of Health, they said, if you've been struggling with your sugars, with you're trying diet, you're trying medications, you're trying insulin, and your hemoglobin A1C is not getting controlled, you should go look for surgery. This is at medical society. So I'm kind of biased. I like surgical societies. That's what I, that's what I mentioned. But mm-hmm. American Diabetes Association, 2016 statement mentioned that if you're having diabetic, BMI of 30 to 35, if you're Asian American, tw- above 27.5, your blood sugar is not getting under control, you should seek mm-hmm. surgical intervention. Again, this is a medical society. Right. right. And, the, and those studies, they are foreshadowing. I mean, we know that generally speaking, the insurance companies are going to come around, right? It's just the, it's just the, <laughs> the lag the, there. The, you know, and they're realizing that, okay, we are spending so much money on the health of yes. these people. Mm-hmm. Those new medications for to control blood sugars are very expensive, especially the new GLP-1s, a lot of out-pocket. And you know how in our hospital, how much our pharmacy is stressed because they have to cover these medications. They're very expensive. So uh, that's a good alternative. The insurance companies are realizing, okay, you get this surgery, it's a one-time hit, but Mm -hmm. then you're getting rid of all your medications. You're healthier. You can work more. Ding, ding, ding. So, so, I mean, after COVID, what we're suffering from, we don't have much workers to get coming down. Right. So Almost you want definitely. more workers in the in the pool. So this will allow people to get healthier and work longer, have better quality of life. So one thing I want to mention here that the morbidly obese, they will die 15 years sooner. You will not see a morbidly obese in their 70s. They're either in a nursing home, not doing well. That's, or that's staggering. staggering. 15, <laughs> we, said the same we said the same word. 15 years out of their longevity is shaved off. That's one thing. The other thing is the quality of life. So yeah. if you come in and see me, any 
individual, they have like at least one page of medications that they they live, their life revolves around the pill box so that they remember when to take this right. three, four medications to control blood pressure, three, four medications to control their diabetes. I mean, it's just staggering. Then you do the surgery, they probably end up one medication for blood pressure. They get rid of their... And the, the uh, traditional treatment for weight gain is diet, exercise, and medications. Uh, so we have also a program in our hospital, which is what we call medical weight loss. The medical weight loss can get you probably around 5 to 10% excess weight loss. You'd be pushing it if more than that. But some people, are oh, that's, that's all that they want, and we provide that. I want to mention one thing about the medications is that they're kind of expensive and pricey. I'm not going to mention the names, but I know for a fact that the newest one that they call the Hollywood medication that a lot of Hollywood stars are using is around $1,300 a week. Oh my Ooh. God. So uh, it's, it's, it's pricey and this is, depends on their insurance. Some insurance don't cover it at all. Probably not. So they are, it's the same company that makes it, that tweaks the molecule here and there, but it's still a pricey medication. And what does it do is just it depresses your appetite and uh, uh, allow you to eat less. But the caveat is that you have to take this medication, keep taking it. All the, the moment, time. All the time. The moment you stop this medications, everybody will, will regain their weight. Wow. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, and there's my, a lot of those out there. Yeah. And let me ask this question. And they have a, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, no, but there's a lot of side effects to these medications. That was uh, ready to say. Uh-huh. There's not even. I, I was going to ask about safety. So, yeah. yes. It's, there's, they're, they're new. So we don't know about their safety, but again, I'm sure they've been studied by the company who, who makes them, but they have a lot of side effects. And the most, uh, the most common reason why people stop them is the side effects, specifically nausea, uh, cramps, abdominal, a lot of abdominal cramps. And, uh, hey, I'm losing weight, but I feel awful. And, and then <laughs> the way they work is that they allow your stomach just not to get rid of your food uh, into the, from the stomach to digest and get so what we call it kind of like a gastroparesis meaning they weaken the stomach oh, wow. so I remember like three weeks ago I did an upper endoscopy on a patient that takes these and she still had undigested food kind of like 20 oh, hours wow. 20 hours since her last solid food oh wow so imagine so oh. again I'm not trying to discredit these medications it might be a good thing for some people who yeah. does not want a surgery hey doc I don't want to be under right. I don't want to take the risk I don't want even 0% chance of dying so i have i have an alternative for you i have a medical treatment it's not it's not going to give you 50 percent excess weight loss it's something yes better than nothing but you got to understand the side effects and there's a cost to it well you're just laying it out all the options what's good right. what's better for you and, and we didn't even talk about you know this medication that you'd be taking you're not sure of mixed with the other medications you're on and we have answer. a medical weight loss program at horizon health we have specifically uh, someone who's dedicated for medical weight loss so sometimes you, you come and see me and you said but doc i'm not ready for this is there anything else i can do sure there's surgical treatment and there's non-surgical traditional treatment exercise diet and medications if need be like you'll formulate a plan about yeah. how often you need to exercise the calorie count and that's what our that we have a dedicated two dietitians actually at horizon health that does this Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So if I if I am on the the surgical journey, if that's the path I've chosen, then maybe I'm also going to flip into those programs to do my pre work. Is that is that you were talking about how some insurance companies require like attempted weight loss for so long? Can I use those programs? You can certainly use, but most of the time we go by the body mass index that would be on your first visit. 
Oh, okay. 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 Got it. But by all means, anything that will add up to your weight loss pre-op will be added benefit to you post-op. Very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. And not only with the stats, but what I'm taking out of this is the surgeries are so beneficial in so many ways. But I love the one-on-one that you do with these people to, mm-hmm. to lay it out. And and actually, I, I can only assume you can go to myhorizonhealth.org and get this information. Probably set up a, a consultation that you're talking a about, A free right? consultation. That is awesome. So uh, I always preach this site. So go to myhorizonhealth.org slash bariatrics. I hope that's right. You can schedule that's a right. uh, that it and uh, get a free consultation. If you have any more questions, if this is something for you, uh, I could see such benefits. That's a staggering stat of the obese in the 70s. Boy, that was really eye-opening for me. And I think a lot of people should take note to that. There's something you can do. Doc, thank you for all the information on this. I, I learned a lot about bariatrics and, and the surgery that I've heard so much about. And I think a lot of people, but they don't know about it, if that makes sense. So, thank you for having us and check us out. And it's a, it's a free information. There's no commitment or anything. You just come and talk to us. We have a monthly seminar too, also that you can come and attend. We we'll show you these operations, how they're done, what's the concept behind them. We go, we dwell more into basic science, why why obesity is difficult to treat. And, all of this. That's awesome. And just below this podcast, click on that link, myhorizonhealth.org. Doc, thank you so much. A pleasure to meet you, Aaron. Thank you, guys. Thank you, a Kevin. very uh, wonderful segment. Learned a lot. Thanks a lot. Thank you.